in some organizations, it might be tackling six to 10 things. Um, but in this organization, it's like, what are the three things that we can do to really drive business? Hey, my name is Felix Tian. I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify. The easiest way to sell online, in person, or anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn how does having an online store affect offline sales? How should a chief growth officer spend their time? And what you get out of one-on-one customer interviews that you cannot get out of surveys. Today, I'm joined by Daphne Williams, Chief Growth Officer from Sweet Beginnings, which makes the B-Love family of all-natural line of raw honey and honey-infused body care products. It was started in 2004 and based out of the North Lawndale neighborhood of Chicago. Welcome, Daphne. Thank you so much for having me. So, Daphne, I know you joined the company not too long ago, but can you tell us the, the origin story of the business, how it all began? Yeah, sure. So, Sweet Beginnings was started by... I'm the CEO of the North Lawndale Employment Network, and her name is Brenda Palms Barber, and she is just an amazing visionary. And the story of Sweet Beginnings is really connected to that organization in the sense that North Lawndale Employment Network is a nonprofit, and it is anchored in the North Lawndale neighborhood in Chicago, uh, specifically in Chicago's West Side. And it is a nonprofit organization that exists to serve the residents of the community. And when we talk about that, um, we have to kind of keep it in context that the North Lawndale neighborhood is a neighborhood that um has had a changing demographic over a period of time. And so its residents um, our residents that have lived in the neighborhood for a long time, but they are they really don't have a lot of employment. So the unemployment rate in North Lawndale is about 53%. Um, so the network is a resource for the residents in the community, really. And Sweet Beginnings began because a lot of the people that are served through nonprofit are people that have had um, a history of incarceration. So Sweet Beginnings began really as a social enterprise to help people who were previously incarcerated and were having a difficult time finding a job. That makes sense. So this organization, like you mentioned, was created with the goal of employing the residents of that community. What did the the business idea, like how did the idea of the the, the products you guys sell, where did that come from? As Brenda shares is that there were a lot of ideas that were really floated out there in terms of um, what are the, some really good social enterprise um, business ideas that we can come up with. And things that were floated out were like landscaping and delivery services, um, small motor repair. Um, but when they took a step back, they realized that those businesses were really actually plentiful in the market. Um, So someone had approached her and said, what about bees? And this was a friend of hers who had um, been on the board. And there was a lot of apprehension because, you know, bees, they sting. And, you know, what do we do with bees? Um, And so when they really sat down and thought about it and and took the idea with – and, you know, considered it seriously, they realized that there was such an interesting parallel between bees and people who were turning um, to society from being incarcerated. And that, you know, in general, people have a fear of bees. They're afraid of getting stung. 
And then people also have this perception about people who have been incarcerated that um, that they're not good people. They've, you know, have done really, really horrible and bad things. And so having a business that merged kind of our married bees with formerly incarcerated people was a way to kind of take a sting out of the stigma of both. Um, so they went with bee, beekeeping and um, we currently manage five apiaries. Um, and so um, the people that come through our program and come through our social enterprise are involved in understanding bees and how, um, and how to beekeep. The great thing about beekeeping is that it's really passed along through storytelling. So you don't have to read a lot of manuals really about beekeeping. Um, that was something that was really important um, around having a business idea. They didn't want a business idea that was going to require like a large amount of education or that you had to be wildly credentialed. They wanted a, a business idea that kind of had a little bit of an art to it. And so beekeeping is really a storytelling um, craft or skill. And so it's passed along from one person to another. And that was something that was really, really important in business. So they landed on beekeeping and here we are. Mm-hmm. Yes. What was like, do you know what day zero was like? Was there already like a workforce from the beginning that was ready to, to get started right away? Or was there a lot of groundwork that was needed to, that needed to be laid first or built up by Brenda and any other founding members from the beginning? So when I spoke about the North Lawndale Employment Network, the, one of the key programs that the North Lawndale Employment Network is called U-Turn Permitted. And that program mostly takes in people who have been previously incarcerated. It provides them with anger management and cognitive behavioral therapy. And it also prepares them from the, uh, for the job market. So when you think about getting people prepared for the job market, it's around helping them understand how to dress professionally, helping them understand how to interview, giving them tools so they can understand how to write a resume, um, and have all those skills so they're ready to go out and actually um, look for a job and interview and so on. So those are the people that actually come to Sweet Beginnings. Um, at the end of their journey at the North Lawndale Employment Network, when they're engaged in job search, Sweet Beginnings is actually one of their options as uh, an employer where they can come and interview. So um, we are a direct um, employer to the North Lawndale Employment Network and those particular clients that come out of that program. Mm, makes sense. So you mentioned that the the art of beekeeping is a very story based where where the, the the art is taught by you know from one person to another. Where did the expertise come from? I mean, it seems like if I were to anyone out there is thinking about starting a career in beekeeping, it seems like there is a lot to to learn. So where did this knowledge or expertise come from once? the organization had decided on a business and a product to create? Yeah, well, certainly. I don't think anyone here at North Lawndale Employment Network had mm. all of the um, deep understanding of bees and bee behavior. So we do have a master beekeeper that works with our social enterprise, and we've had master beekeepers prior to the one that we have now. So we have that expertise that we've had to build into our, into our own um, organization to help us with that. 
Got it. Okay, so uh, the beekeeping was something that was started up. It was a, an employer for a lot of members from the North Lawndale Employment Network. Now, when it comes to the e-commerce element, what products were you were being sold that was coming out of the work that was being put into the beekeeping? Yeah, so we are really purveyors of urban honey. We manage five apiaries, and um, out of those apiaries, our team goes – they extract the honey, we jar it, and we distribute it through stores in the Chicagoland area. Um, the e-commerce platform for us is relatively new. So we've been on a, on a platform for about a couple of years. And um, prior to that, we were really just engaged in going out into the community and participating in farmers markets um, and, and getting the honey out there. Um, what we realized is that the Honey really in itself uh, didn't really generate the profit margins that we would have loved to have had. Um, so even though it's really a key part of our product portfolio, we did have to expand into other products. Um, so we offer six core honey-infused skincare products that are sh- are sold on our um, e-commerce site. Mm, I, I like that the, you, the team was agile enough and ready to pivot and expand a product line based on the data that was coming in. How did the decision come about to expand into something like skincare or any other product lines that you that the team has uh, ventured into since the beginning? Yeah, it was really looking at the profit margins of the honey um, and understanding that we really needed to have greater profit margins. And so... Um, our founder is one that is really enjoys beauty products and appreciates high quality skincare products. And so um, she saw the opportunity to merge the honey that we were actually harvesting and getting get infused into skincare products. Um, so our products are really naturally made. We source very, very high quality products. We put that together with the honey. And um, now we have our Love honey infused skincare line. Got it. Now, can you talk a little bit more about the the sales channel that you mentioned, which was mostly local or I guess local within Chicago? You were selling in farmers market. Where else? How were you able to get the goods essentially out to to the to the community? Yeah. So initially, we started at farmers markets. Um, so that was kind of the natural place to begin, um, and you know, community events um, and made sure that we had a presence there. Um, it was all very, you know, people on the street, um, we'd get our transitional team out into those particular markets and it was a great way for them to interact with the public, um, and to develop selling skills. Um, so it was a way, a great way to, you know, have this product and connect our clients with, with the public. Um, and then we actually got into the retail space, and that was after hearing um, from many of our customers saying that we needed to be in grocery stores. And so we were able to go ahead and then move into grocery stores. And so our distribution is primarily today um, at the one of the largest Chicago chains, grocery store chains. Um, and then we also are in kind of the co-op markets in the Chicagoland area, um, we also sell our um, honey and our skincare products online through our e-commerce store. And then we also do a lot of things like pop-up shops. So that's kind of still like, you know, man on the street selling. Um, and then we have these really wonderful corporate partners that also allow us to 
um, come in during the holiday season and either sell on site to their employees or they'll work with us um, in terms of employee gifting. Mm, got it. Okay. I want to talk a bit about the grocery stores. So how was that? How was that done? How do you get a product from, it seems like a pretty big leap, you know, from farmer's market into grocery stores. And what was it? What what, did, what was done or what do grocery, grocery stores, especially chains care about when you're looking to sell your product through their stores? Yeah, I have to tell you that we really get a lot of interest from people because of the work that we do. So people are really fascinated around how we married bees and beekeeping with people who were previously incarcerated. So we've been really lucky that we've gotten people that have been interested in us. And so I think it's really about the alignment and the recognition of the good work that we're doing in the community that has afforded us the opportunity to be in the retail spaces that we are in. Um, Our co-op markets are, of course, offering more of the natural kind of product. And so we have a good fit with them. And then um, our large grocery store chain has just been a very good partner from the beginning. Um, and they, they're they local when they really see the value in the work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Now, can you talk to us about how the food co-ops work? How, how, does that, how does something like that work for anyone out there that's looking to get into one? I think, honestly, Felix, it's about just having a relationship and just making sure that um, the store managers or the owners of those co-ops know who you are, um, the boards of those co-ops know who you are, and um, brokering that particular relationship. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned one side effect from the the online stores that is it's helping to drive more demand in the stores, in the retail stores, in the actual you know brick and mortar places. Can you talk to talk to us about how that happens? Yeah, I would say that our online sales actually serve in a very different capacity. So um, let me clarify that a little bit. So our online stores really allow us to reach people who have heard our story. Sweet Beginnings has been really the beneficiary of a lot of media attention. So not only do we get local media attention, we also get a lot of national media attention. And it's been wonderful because, again, that interest and the work that we're doing with bees and beekeeping and um, formerly incarcerated people has really just caught on. When we started Sweet Beginnings, we thought it was just going to be a very local social enterprise and that the recognition would only be really here in the Chicagoland area or throughout the state. And what we found is that as we started getting more and more media attention, there actually became a demand um, for our products. And the e-commerce platform has actually worked to fulfill that. Um, And so our e-commerce platform has been absolutely absolutely instrumental in us being able to reach our customers um, across the country. So when we look at some of our data, we see that we have like a really, really good following of people in Los Angeles and in the Bay Area, in New York and in D.C. Um, So those people do go to our e-commerce platform and buy. So it's been instrumental for us to reach people with our message and our work and continue to communicate with them around the impact of, of the work that we're doing here in, the, in this particular community. 
Well, you do see that there's a, a, a following concentrated in, let's say, like L.A. Does that mean that you would want to have like a physical footprint there and open up or put or get your product into the grocery stores out there? Or what's like the, 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 the kind of next step once you realize that there's a concentration of fans and, and you know, customers in one, one city? Yeah, that's a great question. So our work is really, really local community work. And when we think about our goals and our key performance indicators, our KPIs are, yeah, we have like some of the traditional KPIs, which are like looking at sales and did we grow year over year? So we do have some traditional KPIs in that sense. But we really have KPIs that are around the impact of the people that we serve. So at Sweet Beginnings, we want our transitional team to come. We want them to learn the end-to-end production of our um, of our honey um, and our honey-infused skincare products. So they participate in everything from extracting the honey um, to going out into the apiaries and actually being here on site and creating that skincare product. Um, so they're really engaged in the work of Be Love. Um, they also go out and they do the distribution and then we get them out um, into community events and sales. So we really want to keep our work local because it's about looking at how much can we grow so we can hire more people um, here to do this work. And so at this point in time, we don't have any plans to expand into any like brick and mortar spaces outside of the Chicago area. Mm-hmm. Now, when I think one of the unique, ex, unique, uh, I guess, areas of expertise that, that your business has is that it has a lot of experience scaling up employment or right? getting new people on board, onboarding new members of the team. Can you talk to us about that? Like, what is the process to facilitate onboarding new employees so that they're you know, ready to hit the ground running as soon as they can? Yeah, so here at Sweet Beginnings, um, we work closely with our um, nonprofit North Lawndale Employment Network, um, and we work with the team there to actually let them know that we have positions that are available at Sweet Beginnings. Um, they're already working with the clients that um, actually go through the programs at North Lawndale Employment Network. Um, to help them with job leads and job placement. And so we become just another option in that pipeline. And so they will send clients over to us that they feel are really good clients for us to interview when we have openings. Um, Once they start at Sweet Beginnings, we actually um, give them an orientation about what the organization does, that we were created for people like them. Um, we give them an opportunity every day to be able to meet. Um, so we do sort of a reflective practice every morning that anchors people. Um, certainly people come to work sometimes with things that are on their mind that might be happening in their personal lives. And so we feel the really strong need to acknowledge that. Um, so every morning we have a, a meeting that kind of anchors people around reflective practice. And then we go into like the business items of the day. And that's covering what sales we have gotten in, either from our online store or from a corporate partner. We talk about where we need to distribute, were there any particular stores in our major grocery store partner um, that needed to have shelves restocked. Um, We talk about um, inventory and actually looking at what 
what needs to be made in terms of production for the day. So after we do kind of our reflective practice, um, we really dig into sort of those business aspects of what needs to happen from an operations and production standpoint. So the team in the first month are really, they're really learning the ropes um, of kind of how we function here at Sweet Beginnings. And then as we move into the second month, we start to lay out more expectations around um, being a contributor, um, looking to see where there are opportunities for someone to lead on the production um, line. Um, looking for opportunities to someone to take the lead in, in sales. So that second month, we're really focused in on even getting people, our team out there into the community and selling and building up their comfort level for that. The third month that they're here um, is all about like really giving them that confidence that they can actually go out and start looking for a job on their own. So in the last month, the very, very last two weeks, we actually um, continue to engage with North Lawndale Employment Network and send our clients back there um, to participate in something called Job Club. And Job Club is where they are working on their resume, they're working on their interviewing skills. So they're continuing all throughout um, the time they're here at Sweet Beginnings, but they're really ramping it up that last two weeks here at Sweet Beginnings because they're going to have to move on and um, find work on their own. Mm, got it. Okay. So for someone out there that is looking to hire from maybe not in the Chicago area, but from other cities, but from something similar to the North Lawndale Employment Network, is there is there a presence in every city to to, to for this these kind of networks? Like how does one begin to if they wanted to scale up or build out a team of members from you know a similar program, how does that work? I mean, certainly we get inquiries all the time around like, how did you start your social enterprise? And we have an interest in doing this for a similar population of people. Um, so that's something that we've been able to provide some advice and counsel to other people um, in other parts of the country around that. Um, we encourage people to find ways that they can engage um, any population, whether it be youth or formerly incarcerated, to um, have a social enterprise around them and give them the opportunity to work and establish a work history. Mm -hmm. uh, when someone out there you know, asks this question, I'm sure you get it, like why should someone look to hire from these, these kind of resources? What's your favorite kind of selling point about doing it this way? I would say that, you know, it's a confidence builder for our team. Um, so many of our men and women that come into Sweet Beginnings, they've really lost a sense of like their self-worth. And we're giving them opportunities to start over. If you can think about it, we're helping them course correct their lives and getting them prepared for the next chapter in their journey. The people that we encounter, they have just a wealth of knowledge. They're absolutely competent and capable and um, individuals that are, are driven. And we can see when we work with them that they will be tremendous assets to an organization one day. And so we really focus in on helping people bring their sense of self back and their self-worth and their spirit and their dignity um, that they may not have had before they came to Sweet Beginnings. And so to me, that's all the more reason why people should, should have a model like this and um, on the end, hire people that 
may have really struggled in life, but they have a lot to give and they have really, really unique and rich perspectives on life. Hey, real quick, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now, let's get back to the interview. So once the, the business was decided on, you, you guys knew what products you was, wanted to sell, where did the customers come from? What were the very first customers that you were able to get for the business? Yeah, so the very first customers were those customers that were going out to farmer's markets. <laughs> so um, as you can imagine, probably just a lot of people in their communities enjoying uh, their farmer's markets on a Saturday or a Sunday morning. Um, so those were our very, very first customers. Um, since my time here at Sweet Beginnings, it's been really important for me to understand that, you know, this organization, this social enterprise has been around for um, approximately 15 years now. And it's been really important um, for me to help the organ organization understand who their customers are today. And um, so one of the things that we did is we prepared a customer survey. So we actually deployed our very first customer survey um, back in the fall just to get some understanding around like who buys Love and how did they find out about Love. Um, what's their social media usage, um, where do they shop and try to understand a little bit more about their shopping behaviors and just general interests like, you know, what causes do they support? What missions do they support? And then what are their favorite pastimes? What do they like to do when they're, you know, not really busy with their families or work? And we got a really, really good snapshot of who our customer is, is today. And I think it was, um, pretty revealing that, you know, our customer tends to be, you know, slightly older, female, um, really, really um, focused in on supporting products that have, um, that support missions or have some sort of social impact. Um, and that gave us some insight as to like, wow, you know, were these the customers that have been with us the entire time? The one thing that we actually did learn from that customer survey was, is that we saw a void that we really didn't get a lot of responses from people in the age range between 35 and 44. And so we're thinking now about, we should probably need to look at that and understand kind of the shopping behavior and the buying behavior and what they believe in terms of like missions and causes and talk to them a little bit more about our product. So you mentioned that you collected this information through surveys. How were they distributed? How did you get them out to your, your customers? Yeah, so we actually um, used an online survey tool. And you just like sent them emails to your customers? Yes. Or, okay. Yeah. What, what were some of the most impactful questions in terms of answers that you got back that actually changed the direction that you took the business, whether it means the products that you might want to offer in the future or the marketing or messaging? Like, What were some of the most impactful questions that led or will lead to actions being taken? Well, one of the things that was really <clears throat> that struck us, and it really wasn't that much of a surprise, but 72% of those customers that responded said that they bought Be Love because of the mission. And so that just really spoke to the power of the work that we do here at Sweet Beginnings. Um, another thing that stood out to us was really the difference in like kind of the social media usage. So people in the older end that responded really were great Facebook users while people in the younger end were more Instagram users. So that was something that was really important to us. We really have not 
developed our um, level of sophistication here in the digital marketing or social media landscape. And that's something that we want to that we want to put a lot more energy into. We realize that digital marketing and having a well-developed ecosystem is really going to help us grow in the future. Um, so that customer survey also helped to inform us of that. Another really great thing that um, we learned from the survey that will definitely drive some of the things that we're going to consider moving forward is understanding like causes that our customers are passionate about. And environment was the number one. And that's really kind of no surprise because we work with bees and bees are such a vital um, creature, are vital creatures to our ecosystem. So, but it got us thinking about like, how do we pack our products and how do we ship our products? And are there things that we can do in the future that are more environmentally friendly? Um, so there were things from that survey um, that were absolutely some things that we already knew and some things that absolutely are informing the work that we're going to do moving forward. Mm, so the decisions that that sometimes get hidden, like the the, the, the sourcing, the packaging, um, not so much your mission, because that, that seems like something that's obviously very key aspect of your business. How do you make sure that these things that your customers are telling you they care about, how do you make, how do you take advantage of that? How do you make sure that it's something that you lead with or that it is clear for any new customers or new prospective customers to see? Yes, I think that we're still mapping that out. I mean, I would say when you think about our uh, mission here at Sweet Beginnings, we have a triple bottom line mission statement, and that's um, around social, economic, and, and product. And so our social mission is really about giving people an opportunity to work, particularly those people who have, have barriers, who have barriers to employment. Um, we're an economic engine here in our community because it's about revitalizing this particular community in which our organization sits. And then it's about our product and selling a really high quality product. Um, so when we think about the people piece, we think about people in a sustainability um, aspect too, is that they're really trying, we're really trying to get people to go out on their own and secure jobs and have a sustainable life for themselves, um, to be able to earn for themselves and provide for their families. And we really know that that is what our, our customers want to hear they want to hear about the impact of the work that we're doing. So on one hand, it's really great that we have this high quality product in B-Love and it's absolutely wonderful. The other hand, we know that our customers absolutely want to hear about our outcomes and our impact. So did that person actually get a job and how are they, how are they doing? So we hope to share more stories about our clients and and their and their life journeys post sweet beginnings. God, and you, you mentioned the triple bottom line approach to running the business, and I think a lot of businesses out there already have a hard enough time just focusing on one of the bottom lines, like the product, for example. Do you ever run into situations where you have to make a decision that conflicts between the the I guess the three bottom lines, where it might be more impactful for the social side, but hurt the economic, or hurt the product, or vice versa? Has that ever come up? And what do you do in a situation like that? Yeah, I mean, I would say that we get a lot, a lot of questions around, like you know, would you ever scale up to be in 
a large discount national retailer um, in the country. So we do get questions like that. Oh, perfect. Your product is so wonderful. And will you ever scale to be in every single XYZ store in the country? And, you know, there's a part of you that's like, yeah, that'd be exciting. But then there's a part of you that's like, well, we're really just trying to help as many people as we can in our community and really stay focused on giving them the experience of creating this, handcrafting this wonderful artisanal product um, that people love. And, you know, that is really the priority is being able to have a social enterprise that is business focused, yet really focused in on the human spirit. And what that means is that sometimes you have to make trade-offs around that. Um, Our environment here is one that is really caring and nurturing. um, And we want it to be a safe environment because we're getting people at a really vulnerable time of their lives. Um, And we also want to teach them, you know, business skills. And so, yeah, the trade-off is, is that, you know, no, we're not scaling up right now into being this kind of mass manufacturer um, that we are focused in on helping people on their journey, um, giving them the opportunity to kind of dig in deep and learn learn a little bit more about business um, to help them find self-worth, help them find the leadership skills within them, give them the opportunity to contribute and to be a really, really strong team player in this particular business. Um, so that's where, that's where our focus is. I would also say that, you know, we are a team of three full-time people. And so we wear a lot of different hats and we are very cross-functional, meaning that we have to do a lot of different functionals. So not cross-functional in the sense that we have all these different departments and we come together and we work. We are all the different departments. And so That on a day-to-day basis is like trying to always prioritize like what do we, what do we juggle today? And sometimes I go home and people say, oh, what'd you do today? And it's like, well, I handled everything from payroll to parole Um, that, you know, I helped with timesheets and I talked to someone's parole officer, and I also had to spend time in developing the marketing strategy, or I needed to do a customer interview, or I needed to um, order a round of product. So every day is is very, very different here at Sweet Beginnings that really calls for us to reprioritize a lot on a daily basis. So for someone out there that is focused on growth and let's say you could choose how to spend your time. Where would you like to focus more of your time if the, if the, I guess the goal is growth? Yeah, that's a great, great question because I think while we have like this day to day, like reprioritization because we're a small team and we juggle a lot, 
um, the emphasis that I have is like, what are the three big things that we can tackle? So in some organizations, it might be tackling six to 10 things. Um, but in this organization, it's like, what are the three things that we can do to really drive business? And um, I think for me, it's like, in order to do that, we need to understand who our customer is today, what the what B-Love means to them as a brand, um, why they support us. Um, so that was, you know, really kind of understanding our current customer profile and then identifying who can we go after. Um and then from that, you know, thinking about how do we market strategically to that particular audience. Um, and then the other thing is really how can we get to be more sophisticated in terms of our digital marketing and social media? That's really, really important. So it's not like we can tackle like 10 things we're going to accomplish this year in terms of a growth strategy. It's about what are the reasonable things that we can accomplish this year and that can make the difference for our next fiscal year. Mm -hmm. And when, when you you mentioned that a big part of your your focus and your job is to understand more about the customer, I think there might be others out there that are kind of in this planning phase where they are trying to understand more about their customer. When do you when do you think that you 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 understand your customer enough to actually start moving and start you know investing in in a, a certain direction? Yeah, I think for us it was like getting a survey out and just getting a read and then also doing some customer interviews, connecting with people that have purchased and be love and who purchased be love in the past, um, understanding what they liked about the product, you know, why did they purchase, um, how did they hear about us? And a big part of our work is like really understanding like shopping behavior. Um, particularly since people are engaged a lot more with online shopping and subscription boxes um, and trying to understand kind of what the trends were in the market in terms of, you know, how much time were people shopping online and what kinds of things did they buy online and what subscription boxes were they were they getting? Um, so we do have to. So we did some of that work. And, you know, obviously we are now getting close to. All right. We now need to take all of our findings and develop a strategy that's going to impact the next year. Um, so I would say that that's probably a, a difference in, in that large matrix organizations have dedicated, you know, research teams that can go out um, and do these things for them, you know, brand teams that that know how to go out and spend time or that they can hire someone to exclusively do this sort of work for them. Um, we don't have time on our side like that. Um, we needed to kind of find out some things relatively quickly to put a strategy in order to develop a strategy and get it in place. What do you find is, has been more valuable if you had to choose? Is it these kind of mass surveys or these individual customer interviews that, that you mentioned? I think both. I think both. I think the surveys give you just kind of a general read of what's happening. Um, I think the one-to-one -one interviews can be particularly insightful. Um, you know, one interview I did, a customer brought out product and look, like I get products from here and it comes in this box and let me show you what's in my cabinet. So I think, you know, if you're a curious person like, like me, you like to see what people have going on in their cupboards. Um, and so that provides a certain level of insight as to, you know, what they actually purchase. Um, it's a good read to see like what people say they do and what they really do. 
how different is that between what what they say they do versus what you what they actually do? You know, sometimes in surveys, if there's you know, sometimes people if they're rushing to get through that, they may not be as you know as revealing. Um, and also, you don't want to keep people in a surveying environment there too long because that can be laborious for them to complete. Um, so the one-to-one interviews are actually quite nice and, um, it just gives a better read on, you know, kind of the behavior and how people, um, in this case, like to shop or how they like to use products. Is it safe to say that when you do these surveys, you're mostly looking for like trends or maybe common answers, but not looking, not giving too much weight to any individual response? which is the almost the opposite with these customer interviews where you are looking to go super, super deep with each individual? Yeah, that's true. You know, the survey was just kind of like really curious about how people heard about B-Love and really curious about how, you know, about why they purchased us. And, you know, when we got 72% missions, like, oh, okay, well, we know why people buy us now. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so the one-on-one interviews definitely just to go a bit deeper. Now, how, how are these set about, like if someone out there wants to start conducting these customer interviews, how do you, how would you go about getting interviewees and setting it all up? Yeah, honestly, I just kind of like asked around to find people who had purchased B-Love before and was just turning up you know, people like, oh, yeah, I actually, you know, bought it and (laughs) you can come and talk to me. So um, and it was good because people were a lot more open, like, yeah, I I bought it like a year ago or I bought it six months ago. And then you can start to ask questions as to why they didn't purchase it with more frequency. Um, So it didn't take like, you know, we weren't looking to do one-on-one interviews with, you know, 20 people or 30 people. We just didn't have that much time. And we just wanted to get a little bit more of an understanding as to how people were shopping, if they purchased B-Love in the past and they hadn't purchased in a while. What was that? Was it just, you know, inaccessibility or were their shopping behaviors a bit different or did they find another product to use? Um, or maybe we weren't in the place where where they normally shop. So it was just kind of getting an understanding about overall behavior. And, and these are usually like done in person or over the phone? Or what what have you found to, to work? Um, so we have used kind of uh, conferencing for one, so over the phone, and then the other one was uh, we've done two in-person ones. So it sounds like in a lot of these surveys, there's an emphasis on or focus on the frequency of purchases or when or why they purchase. Was there a reason why you're looking for this information? Yeah, because one of the things that we know about B-Love is people love to give B-Love as a gift. Um, So we see our peak sales season as the holiday time period starting around the end of October and then November and December and a little bit of early January where there's just a flurry of activity around giving the gift of B-Love, which is wonderful and exciting. Um, But the reason why we're trying to understand our customers a bit a bit more um, and interviewing customers because we're hoping to kind of break that seasonality. We know that the holiday season is always going to be a big time, just in, is in general in retail. 
Um, but we have these wonderful like skincare products that people can use on a daily basis. And so we want to be able to start marketing ourselves as that, is that when you need that lotion, that daily body lotion to use, you know, you can, should think about Be Love Thin as well. Mm. And is that going to be, how do, you, how do you begin to break that and, and I guess sort of convince them or at least present them that this product can be used yourself, you know, maybe not as a gift, but use yourself for your own purposes throughout the year? Yeah, I think it's all going to be in the messaging and and how we talk to our customers and then even the messaging around like that mission that you don't have to just wait until the holiday time time frame to um, be mission focused that you can certainly support our mission every day through the use of our products on a regular basis awesome so sweet beginnings can be found at belovebuzz.com b-e-e-l-o-v-e-b-u-z-z.com and i'll leave you this last question what do you think needs to happen this year for you to consider this year a success i would say for this year it is um Elevating our marketing, um, expanding our social media presence, um, connecting with partners, our corporate partners. Um, so looking to kind of expand our corporate network um, to organizations that find the value in the work that we do. Um, so that would be big for us um, in terms of having a successful year. Awesome. Thank you so much, Daphne, for coming on and sharing your business mission and your experience. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify. Shopify.